Well, good evening. It's almost, uh, <laughs> you feel hesitant to interrupt worship like that. But I feel that what we've experienced now in this few minutes, it's just the beginning. I felt as we were worshiping and dancing and singing that one song about dancing, as we'll dance for the Lord. I almost felt the Spirit say to me, I want to take the shackles off your feet so you can really dance. I think, I think for some of you that this might have been stretching tonight, you, you might have felt, gee, we're really, really worshiping now. But it's just the beginning. God has got so much more for us. The words that came through was about the authority of Jesus. How, how powerful and how holy he is. That's what he's saying about. And I believe God is saying to us, the reason why I've emphasized my holiness and my authority is because I want you to be holy. Be he holy, for I am holy. I believe that we in a time that we, that we cannot play church anymore. And you say, we don't play church. You know what? There are some people in our midst, you don't even know it, but you're playing church. So we're going to read, I suppose, I can now start claiming this scripture for me because I've just preached on it so many times and I'm make no apology for preaching on it again. Um, we're going to read Luke 15. It's the prodigal son again. I just can't let go of this prodigal son. But hopefully through this we, we will answer two things that people are battling with in the life of the church today. Luke 15, we're going to read from verse 11. And it says, And he said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him into the fields to, to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, and that's what we're praying for tonight. We're praying that somebody here tonight will come to himself. Will experience that moment um, where, where, that moment of clarity where he thinks clearly about where his life's heading and make the right choice tonight. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father, father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer 
worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put the ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For my son who was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And he began, um, and they began to be merry. I think we all know this portion of scripture by heart. And maybe that's why God used it, so we don't get too entangled in, in the story, but that we see what God wants to say to us tonight. And I'll be speaking on, uh, I've given the, 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 the topic, uh, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And there are people sitting in this hall tonight, and you've given it your all. You've chased after everything that you can chase after. And you still haven't found what you're looking for. There are people here today that they're experiencing the height of success in business. We're living in a time where, where technology is at its highest. We haven't seen technology like we've seen now. We're living in a time where toys and, 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 and man caves look better than what they've ever looked before. Cars are faster. Cell phones are more powerful than what the computers were when NASA put a man on the moon. But we still haven't found what we're looking for. Because what we're looking for is not found in the pleasures and in the achievements of the world. What we're looking for is not found in what, what the world sees as success. You see, each one of us, each one of us has got a void inside of us, a God-shaped void that can only be filled by God. And because, because we don't realize that or because we're ignorant, we try and fill that void with everything else but God. And we look for love in all the wrong places. We try and find fulfillment in everything else but God. And if you're trying to find what you're looking for, if you're trying to find happiness, if you're trying to find fulfillment in anyone other than God or anything else other than God, you will be at that place where you have to acknowledge tonight that you still haven't found what you're looking for. The sad thing is, is that the enemy has jumped on the bandwagon and the enemy is an opportunist. So, so he's seen how we, how we get uh, involved or we're intrigued by our, our modern day technology. And he understands that our sinful nature has got the tendency to become addicted. So if he can't get you addicted to cocaine, he's going to get you addicted to that screen. And both addictions will draw you away from God. Just because you're not addicted to, to alcohol, just because you're not lying in the gutter, because you might be sitting behind a brand new computer in your, in your bedroom or in your lounge or in your study, just because you don't look like the drug addict in the, in the street doesn't mean that you have found what you're looking for. There are, the sad thing is, there are kids, there are, there are Christian parents' kids who know more about computers and cell phones than the God we serve. Because we, we, we give them that babysitter. We give them that phone to look after them because we haven't got time 
to tell them about Jesus. We hope they find that at, this, at the children's church. When we look at the story we're reading, we find there's an elder brother, and I'm not going to go much into the story. I'm going to look at two specific things. There's an elder brother, and there's a younger brother. The elder brother remained in the house. He didn't leave the house, whereas the, young brother, the younger brother left the house. And that's what the story is about, is that, is that this elder brother is there, he's, he's at home, but he's actually, he's actually not. The thing is with the elder brother, and, and you might relate to that, is that he never left with his feet, but he left with his heart. And some of you might have never left with the feet. You might be here. You might have been raised in a Christian family, and you've been here, and you are here. You're here physically, but your heart is not here because you, you are searching and reaching for something other than God. We have be, we've become a society that we are so strict on what we do with our bodies. We are so disciplined in terms of what we take into our bodies and, and this is a line that God is constantly bringing back to me and saying, we are, we are, we are so disciplined. It's a question of no carbs, no sugar, but we are sexually immoral. We can't apply the same discipline that we apply to food to our other appetites. And God has got a problem with that. That's the very thing that God wants to set you free of today. Because you might be like the elder brother. You've, you've got the style. You've got everything right. But you are as lost as the one who left home with his feet. Thing is, these two brothers, the one stayed at home, but he had no relationship with his father. It speaks about religion, just going through the motions. And you cannot find what you're looking for in religion. You cannot find, like on the other hand, what you're looking for in the world in parties. You cannot find what you're looking for in the world in parties, in alcohol, and even somebody else's bed. You cannot find what you're looking for there because only Jesus can satisfy the soul. Only Jesus. And God is calling us to return to him, to allow him to show us his authority. If you look at these two brothers, the one lived in his father's house, but he was drowning in his sin. The other left the father's house and he was in the world and he was drowning in his sin. So you, you could live this pious life and you could be all together. People might actually look at you and they might want to be like you until they find out who you really are. But you can have it all to, seemingly all together. And there's another drug addict who's in the gutter and he is just totally lost it. But you're both drowning in your sin. See, it's like drowning in sparkling water or drowning in sewage water you're still drowning. The one is just a bad taste in your mouth. Next week, this time, they'll get that. It's the same thing. You can, you can, there, there's no difference between a classy sinner and a bad sinner. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Tonight, God is encouraging you to come and to fill that God-shaped void that only 
he can fill. So the two, the two things I want to look at here tonight is the elder brother, Bible said, when, when the younger brother asked for the inheritance, the Bible says, and his father divided the inheritance between them. So the two things I'm going to look at is that the elder brother, the elder brother had his inheritance, but he never accessed his inheritance. And that's what his problem was. The younger brother asked for something that you should never have asked for. He demanded an inheritance that he should never have demanded. And, uh, and, and in effect, you can say that the elder brother asked for nothing that he could have asked for, and the younger brother asked for everything that he shouldn't have asked for. Because an inheritance is not something you ask for. That's grasping. You wait until an inheritance is given to you. That's how inheritance works. But to him, his father was dead in his eyes, and he wanted, for him it was about immediate gratification, getting what he wanted now. So there's some of us living in this, in this thing of, I have an inheritance from God, but I'm not accessing it. So I'm not living in everything that God has for me. On the other hand, on the other hand, people are grasping for stuff that God is not meant for them or not given to them yet. And both end in disappointment and pain and hurt. And we want to look at that tonight. I want to look at the, the outworking or the ramifications of an inheritance not accessed and immediate gratification in terms of ministry and marriage. In terms of ministry and marriage. So let's look in terms of ministry because I've, over this last, last while, I've just felt in my heart that those are the two areas in our, in our congregation that people are battling in. Ministry and marriage. And you might think that you're okay, but I suggest you allow the Holy Spirit to do some work and you allow the Holy Spirit freedom to work in you tonight. In terms of ministry, and I'm just going to be quick on that because I really want to focus on the, on the, focus on the marriage part. In terms of ministry... If you're like the older brother, then you have an inheritance already. The day you got born again, they got filled with the Spirit. God has given you gifts. God has bestowed gifts upon you. He's put desires inside of you. You've been, that's your inheritance. And the question is, why are you not living in that inheritance. There are so many people, and they're just, they're just existing. They're not contributing to, to the advancement of the kingdom. They're just existing. And when you speak to them, they have the same response as the older brother, but, but he has never given me a goat before. Think about how stupid that statement is. This elder brother comes home. He's upset because there's a, there's a calf on the fire, and, and he says, but you haven't given me a goat. And the father hasn't given him a goat because all the goats on the farm is his. All the cattle on the farm is his. Remember, it was divided between the two of them, and everything that was there is his. And in the same way, people are living in church. People are living amongst the fellowship of the brethren, they are living amongst us and they're doing nothing but complaining about the fact that they haven't been given a goat. 
they haven't been acknowledged. God has already acknowledged you. God has already given you a mandate. He said to you, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's given you something to do. You do not have to wait until somebody gives you a goat. Do you know that there's no statue of limitation on serving? Nobody can stop you from serving. God, part of your inheritance is to serve the kingdom of God to serve the local body, to serve the wider body. There's no limitation on serving, but I will not serve because I didn't get a goat. There's no limitation on how much you can bless people. But I won't bless people because I wasn't acknowledged and given a position as the blesser in the church. Now, that could be dangerous if you're the recognized blesser in the church. But this is how we think. I cannot bless because I haven't been made such and such. And we like that older brother. We have been given our inheritance, but we're not living in it because we're waiting on somebody to give us a little accolade, a little sense of approval. I, I, I want to ask you today where you're sitting, tell yourself, I'm not going to wait for a goat. I'm not going to wait for, for something, a small bit of recognition of what God has given me. I understand that God has given me everything that I need to, to make a contribution into the kingdom. And I'm going to live in all of that. There's stuff that holds us back. And normally it is somewhere along the line we were like the younger brother. Where we wanted immediate gratification and we demanded we demanded recognition that was not due to us yet. And the problem with that is when the, elder, when the younger brother got what he demanded, it didn't last long. And it was spent. And he be, began to become in need. And here's, here's the, the lesson before I move on to, to marriage. The lesson is this. Live in everything that God has given you. You don't have to wait. And I'm not saying that with any disrespect to our eldership team or anything. Yes, there are things that eldership need to release you into. But you don't have to wait to live for Jesus until one of us has given you a small bit of recognition. You don't need a goat. You've got the full inheritance. The elder brother blamed his dad for his lack of activity. Whereas it was his own fault for where he found. You might not agree with me, but the elder brother was a miserable, disrespectful, self-righteous son of a big-hearted father, and he abused the grace that his father showed towards him. And then he blamed the father for being inactive in what was going on. On the other hand, the younger son was a disrespectful rebel. Here's, here's what I want to bring home. When they left home, when the younger brother left home, he went in search of what he was looking for. He didn't find it in the world. When the elder brother was, stayed at home, but he lived in the field most of the time, in that, in that he didn't find what he was looking for. But here's the, 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 <laughs> the irony. When they came back to the house at the same time, they still didn't find what they were looking for. 
The elder brother came back home looking for justice. And he still didn't find what he was looking for because all he got was a front row seat to the grace of the Father. All he was given was a front row seat to the love of the Father as the Father reached out and forgave his younger brother. He came for justice. He came for justice. And he still didn't find what he was looking for. And you know what? It's sad to say there are people that because they didn't get their goat, they go around and they look for justice. But why does he get opportunity? And why don't I get opportunity? Why does he get uh, a, a, a shot at something? Why does he get to lead a meeting? Why does he get to lead a prayer meeting? Well, you see, if you've got the heart of the elder brother, you're going to be looking for justice. But justice is not yours to find. God is the just God. Our duty is to serve him with everything we have. On the other hand, when the younger brother left the house, he went searching for what he was looking for in the world. He didn't find that. When he came back, he still didn't find what he was looking for. He came back home and he, he recited his repentant message. I'm going to say, forgive me, Father. Uh, make me a slave. And he, he, so he came back home looking just to be a slave, just looking for a job. And he still didn't find what he was looking for because he got forgiveness and he became a son again. And that's the irony of this, that you can do whatever you want to. You can have your own mission. You can be on a mission. But unless you find Jesus, you're not going to find what you're looking for. You need to fill that void inside of you with Jesus himself. So let's look for a, for a few moments at how immediate gratification and not accessing your inheritance affects marriages today. And I feel that in this area, the enemy, the enemy has really, he's really done some harm. Because on the surface, everybody looks happy. On the surface, everybody seems to have it waxed. But that's just the part that we allow people to see. The reality is that the guy who led the church now moved closer to his wife to make sure that I can't bl blame him for not sitting next to his wife. <laughs> not that. Immediate gratification and inability to access your inheritance has destroyed marriages and are still destroying marriages. Let's just look at that quickly. God has given us the wife that he wants us to have. God has given us, God has handpicked that lady next to you. And as I always say, this, a Christian marriage, this is not the spur. At this spur, when you sit down and you order a meal, and you wait for your meal, and then the table next door get their meal, and you go, oh, I should have ordered that. This is not the spur. You can't send back what you've ordered. If you are married to short and fat, you love short and fat. If you're married to tall and thin, you love tall and thin. But you can't get halfway through the process and decide, oh, oh, I should have ordered that. And the problem is, in our marriages, we could easily be like the elder brother. Because, because if I look at the elder brother... The stuff he says at the end when his younger brother comes home reveals his heart. He didn't leave with his feet, but he left with his heart because his accusation was he lived with prostitutes. Now, he wasn't with his brother, and there were no WhatsApps and, and Facebook. He, no ways he could know what his brother did. 
But he was, he was living in sin, drinking and living with prostitutes. You know what? He was just revealing his heart of what he wanted to do. Of what he was upset about that he could never go and do. So when his brother came back, that was what came out of his mouth. And unfortunately, there's something has crept in into marriages where, where when, when you said, I do, God has given you your whole inheritance of the marriage in, in the person that you married to. But some of us have not accessed the blessing of God in our We spend more time finding fault with them. We spend more time trying to fix them. I still can't understand that. I mean, I will, I will, I've married quite a few people through the years. And, and, you know, when you start talking to a couple, the lady will go, I met the perfect guy. I want to marry the perfect guy. I, I want to marry him. And then once she marries him, spends the rest of her life changing him. There's something about a responsibility that we have before God. That the wife or the husband that God has given us, that we have a responsibility to access the inheritance, the blessing that God has put inside of them for us. And on the other hand, be accessible so that your partner can access you to experience the blessing that God has put inside of you for your partner. Marriages are battling today because we are inaccessible to one another. You see, it's the, it's the I think I've told it here before, but I, for, for that one person who was a visitor here today, it's that side somewhere, um, I'm going to tell it again. It's, it's that problem about the fig leaf in the Garden of Eden. Now we know, we've seen stories, when we, when we heard the Bible story about Eve in the garden, we remember that when she sinned, they took fig leaves and put it on their heads to cover their sin. That's how we understand the Bible. Yes, Luke. <laughs> so, so did you read it that way as well? That when they sinned and God came into the garden, they took a fig leaf and put it on their head to cover their sin. Is that, is that how we understand the story? I'm not going to ask you how you understand it, because I'm not sure what's going to come out of that mouth. No, that's not what happened. You see, what they did was, they put that fig leaf on a very strategic place, because the message of the fig leaf is this, that you can see my heart, but you'll never see my nakedness, because I take pride in who I am. But modern day society has shifted the fig leaf strategically from where it's meant to be to here. Because nowadays, people will allow one another to see their nakedness, but you'll never see my heart. Our hearts are covered, but our nakedness is, is there to, to see. And what I mean by that, I'm not trying to be funny, is we have allowed, we've allowed our morals to be broken down to a point where we, where we, where we allow what was meant to be for the marriage to be accessed outside of marriage. But I keep my heart covered because I don't want to let you in here. And that's why so many marriages, Christian couples are in a mess. And it's not pleasing unto God. We can stand here and jump up and down and, and do this because we, we want to be pleasing unto God. But if we go home and our marriages look like that, we have some serious repenting to do. Because we need to glorify God even in our marriages. The problem with the, the, the youngest son is this. He went 
into a far country. He went and he spent everything. And he, the Bible said he said to his father, give me. I want you to know that the gift of God is not a debt of God to you. It's a gift. God doesn't owe you anything. But he's given you gifts. And it's the gift that you need to receive, not to demand something that's not meant to be yours. So he, he demands the, his inheritance, and he goes and he squanders it. And then he does something. He runs out of money. He runs out of money, and he goes and he joins himself with somebody that's got no respect for him and sends him as a Jewish boy to look after the pigs. Now, the, the, some of the older translations will speak of that moment when he joined himself to somebody. The modern-day translation says he hired himself to somebody. That's not actually the, 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 the depth of the meaning there. When the, the word that was used is joined himself, it is the same way that you will join two pieces of wood with glue. And when you, once you've joined two pieces of wood with glue, if you want to separate it, it will break, but it always will take another, one of the pieces of wood will take something of the other piece of wood with it. And that, in our language, speaks of soul ties. This guy, when he was down and out, made some soul ties. And soul ties are powerful things. When, we, when we're in the midst of the moment and we don't care, we don't realize what we're doing to ourselves when we're allowing soul ties to come into place. But the problem is with soul ties, when we break those relationships later on, something of someone is going to be lost to the other one. Because that's the way that good glue works. It breaks some of the wood out. And the other one takes it with them. And I want to I suggest to you that we need to sit down and ask God, could it be that my marriage is in a terrible state because of a pigsty moment many years ago where I, where I committed to a covenant of some sort, where I committed to, where I opened myself up to a soul tie and the enemy came in and he's saying to you now, years later, it's payday. It's payday. And he demands his pound of flesh. And we don't know how to deal with it. There are many people that, that sit here tonight and you are, there, there are some hidden secrets in your life that you hope nobody else finds out of. Some pigsty moments that you regret in your life. You regret that you ever done it. But you cannot forget the past. You have to deal with the past. You need, to get, you need to allow God to come in and break the shackles that's binding you. And, and you can look all with it, and you can, you can look the part. But until those ties are broken, you're going to carry the weight of the past with you every day, and then you wonder why it's so hard to move forward. I really sense in my heart that because of our our desire for immediate gratification because we access some stuff before our marriage that should only be in marriage. Some pigsty moments. People are now paying the price. And you can't just wish it away. You can't just say, oh, I was young and stupid. 
You've got to bring it to the cross of Jesus. It needs to come under the blood of Jesus and be dealt with. And you will be free. This is not a heavy sermon. You might think so, but the reality is God can set you free. He can break those shackles. There are some people here. And some of those ties, some of those pigsty moments that are holding them back is sexual immorality. Some of those pigsty moments that's holding them back is unrepented lifestyle of being, being addicted to pornography. For some people, it's the, it's the desires of your heart that if that had to come out, you'll be totally embarrassed. But God in his mercy. You see, you might be coming just looking for to, to, to get set free. But you will not find just what you're looking for. Because God will flood you with his mercy. God will flood you with his grace. There are too many. There are too many believers that are allowing the pigsty moments of the past to dictate to them how they should live in the here and the now. Why? Why? When you can be free. We had a week of people being healed of all kinds of physical healing, physical diseases or illnesses. We had a week of that. We had some great word, um, word and people were set free. Why not also be healed on the inside of the scars and the wounds that life has left on you? Why do you want to, why do you want to go through life like this? Tell you what, because we want to do things, or, or we want to be the Frank Sinatras of the church. I do it my way. Look at the example here. This guy said, I will go to my father, and I will say. And I've never thought about that till last night. Is that when we come to the father, is what the Holy Spirit tells us to say, not what I will say. We constantly make it about us. We constantly make it about my way of coming to the Lord. And he said, I will say, forgive me. Sounds good, eh? Forgive me. Make me a servant. I mean, surely that should hit my father right in the gut. And it should make my father soft. But it's manipulation at best. Father, make me a servant. Because I want to do it my way. I want to say to you, as you sit there, and as the Holy Spirit of God is working in you, don't think what you're going to say. Don't think which part of your sin are you going to repent of. Just let the Holy Spirit reveal it all and deal with it all. Tonight, it's all about finding Nemo. The Bible says, and he came to himself. It's finding Nemo. It's finding Nemo time. Me. It's time to come to your senses. It's time to come to yourself and see who you really are and who God has called you to be. So why? I'm ending with this. Why? Why is it so hard? Why have people been living for 20 or 30 years with their pigsty moments just under the mud but never being dealt with? Why? Because we don't understand the bigness of God. We think that we can hide our sins from God. There is nothing that you've done that he hasn't seen. 
Actually, there's nothing that you will still do that he hasn't seen. And that's not bad English. That's just how big our God is. So in the week, I had a chat with Fred. And Fred threw me this one-liner. And I was like, you're right. That's the answer. My concern is that some of us has come home. Some of us had our memo moment, finding memo moment, and we said, I will arise and go, and we came home. And the Father has given us the robe, and, and we have received it. And the Father has slaughtered the fattened calf, and we're sitting at the table, and think, just think how stupid this look. You're sitting at the table, feasting on the fattened calf, and then for a moment you want to slip away and go back to the pigsty and just go eat something again. Does that make sense to you? We do that. We do that. Where we, where we, at the one moment, feasting at the banqueting table, and at the other moment, deep inside, we're in the pigsty again, eating what the pigs ate, desiring to eat what the pigs ate. God is calling us tonight. Deal with our pigsty moments. And some of you, as you sit there, you can feel the Holy Spirit nudging. And you're actually scared of a moment such as this. Because our nature... And this is the part that Fred, Fred so generously shared with me. He said it's free of charge. I don't, yeah, I don't need to pay him for this. But he reminded me of, of Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. And Jesus delayed. He didn't come immediately. And then when Jesus came, Martha acknowledged everything that he is the resurrection and the life. Martha acknowledged basically that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. She had the theology waxed. And then Jesus said, okay, let's open the tomb. And she said, no, no, no. Why? Because he stinks, Lord. And some of us would be exactly like Martha. We've got the theology waxed. We, we're actually under conviction right now, and we know there are things we need to repent of. We know our marriages are not what it should be. We know that our ministry or our walk with God is not what it should be. But, Lord, can't you just do a miracle and fix it? And God's saying, no, I've got to open the tomb. And I've got to deal with that grave, those, those bones that are rattling in your head. I've got to deal with that. But we are so scared of what might come out of that tomb once the stone is rolled away that we rather say, no, Lord, leave it. I'll walk out here, I'll think about it. Because we are going to be too embarrassed. We are going to be too embarrassed when that stone is rolled away and my past comes out of it. But unless I allow God to roll away that stone, the past is hidden, but not dealt. And God's when God wants to deal with it tonight. So I'm going to ask you, tonight we're going to do things differently. When, when we come to the front, and I believe there are people that should be in front, but I'm going to ask you to come not the way the prodigal son came. He came saying, I will rise and go and I will say. I want you to resist the temptation of, of saying, I will say, meaning that you will put the right foot forward and just allow people to see what you want them to see or just deal with the sin that you want that you want to deal with publicly and therefore i'm not going to ask you to come forward and stand here and allow and then ask other people to come and pray for you because you don't need ministry tonight you need jesus and you can respond and maybe many of you have responded before for the same thing but you never found healing or freedom from it the problem is you came on your terms, I will say. And God said, you can't come to me on your terms. Just come and I will do the rest. When that prodigal son came home, he was halfway through his repentance line and the, the love of the father interrupted him. And I say, didn't even happen. And that's where we are tonight. 
we need to learn the difference between responding and repenting. Some of us have become good at responding, but we've never repented. What do I mean by that? Because we're in such a, a great congregation that the moment you step forward for prayer, or, or you step forward and you want to deal with God, then 50 other people come around you and pray for you. And you don't actually have to repent because other people are praying for you. And you leave here happy that people have ministered to you. But you haven't dealt with the sin in your life. So tonight, we step out into this space to repent of our sin. Then I'm going to ask the, the other, the, those who, who don't feel the need to, to come and repent or deal with the issue. I'm going to ask you to resist the temptation to go and pray for somebody. Let that person deal with God, and you deal with God.